Good morning, Graceway. Today is Friday, November the twenty-second, and this is Tohi and Enoch from the Morning Bible Study Teaching Team. I'm a little sad that we're on our penultimate episode of the series on Mark's Gospel. Sad face. Yeah. In today's passage, Jesus is crucified. If you want to follow along, we'll be reading verses twenty-five to thirty-nine of the fifteenth chapter of Mark from the NRSV. I'll be reading the narrative, and I'll be reading the dialogue. Let's begin. Mark chapter fifteen, verses twenty-five to thirty-nine. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read. The King of the Jews, and with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, "Huh, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross." In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, "He saved others." Cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now, so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, "Eloi, Eloi." Which means, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, "Listen, he's calling for Elijah." And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink, saying, "Wait, let's see if whether Elijah will come to take him down." Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed. His last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. Now, when the centurion who stood facing him saw that, in this way, he breathed his last, he said, "Truly, this man was God's son." So,、um, there's just too much to talk about here. So, I think we should just focus on how it ends. The scene from the Passion narrative. It's really scary. Yeah, I think Mark does mean to frighten us a little bit. Yeah,、um, I mean, we reached a point in the narrative where it's only the afternoon, and this unnatural darkness covers the whole land. Mark is signaling a heavenly sign of God's judgment. We've seen it elsewhere in the Old Testament, like when God judges Egypt for not letting God's people go, or like when the prophet Isaiah pronounces God's judgment on Babylon for its evil. Right? You know, saying that the stars, sun, and moon would give no light. That even the heavens would be covered with sackcloth. Yeah, sackcloth. That's no joke. You know, that's what you wear when you're in desolation and ruin. Yeah, but what's interesting is that even though creation, right, like the sun, moon, and stars, seem to recognize the import of what's going on, no one else does. I mean, there's just so much irony in this description of the crucifixion as a whole. I mean, like even to the end, people aren't getting it. You know, you're, here's you got the sign. You know, he's crucified as the king of the Jews. You know, for the Romans. It's like a joke, probably, right? They all know it's not true, but it actually is. And the people mocking him, right? 
they don't realize that it's precisely by not saving himself that he's actually being the Messiah. Yeah, I mean, I guess as readers, we can feel the irony because Jesus has been upfront about how all of it was all going to end at the end anyway. I mean, like over and over again, when Jesus' disciples misunderstand what the coming kingdom of God is going to be like, Jesus would follow up with his wet blanket reminder, you know, that the Son of Man will suffer many things, be rejected and killed, and after three days will rise again. Yeah, but even knowing that this is what's going to happen doesn't make it any easier, I suppose. I mean, you know, Jesus does cry out in the words of Psalm 22, which is a really vivid cry to God in the midst of, you know, horrific, unjust suffering. Yeah, um, but even then, it seems that people mis like misunderstand and um, they think he's calling for a miraculous rescue as opposed to a prayer for vindication in the face of suffering and mockery. Um, Jesus's prayer in Aramaic is instead taken to refer to Elijah. Over and over again, Mark seems to be showing us that even to the very end, people just do not understand what Jesus was up to. But after Jesus breathes his last, something pretty crazy does happen, right? Yeah, I mean, like, the veil gets torn in two? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's crazy too. I mean, it's it's like, just like heaven is torn open when Jesus is baptized, here, the temple is torn open at Jesus' death. But, you know, given Mark's central theme that people just aren't getting it, there's something almost even more amazing. Right. Um, there's a confession of faith from probably the most unlikely person there, Jesus's executioner, or mm. if not the actual ex- executioner, the one overseeing the execution. I guess it's important to remember how Mark's gospel begins in chapter 1, verse 1. Um, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. The whole of Mark is making this claim that Jesus is the Christ and that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah of the Jews, the true king of the world. Yet, throughout the gospel, no one seems to be able to understand this. There's really only two moments in the whole gospel where we see a confession. The first, Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. And second, this moment, um, a Roman centurion's confession that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, I think it's quite significant that it's a Roman centurion. I mean, this is you know, a member of the very army that everyone thought the Messiah was going to defeat. But in a way, Jesus kind of does win against him. Not by like killing him, but like winning him over. Yeah, I mean, it's such a fascinating literary flip. Everyone thinks that Jesus is here to fight the Romans, but fails. But instead of fighting the Roman legions, we see Jesus confronting demonic legions. And these demons recognize him for who he is. Um, they start falling before him, and they call him the Son of God. Yeah, right. And now that it looks like Jesus has actually been defeated by the Romans, it's a Roman commander who's the first human being to recognize Jesus' true identity by calling him the Son of God. It's actually his victory. Yeah, I mean, a Gentile, uh, purportedly someone who was the enemy, is the first to recognize who Jesus really was. Um, Peter may have recognized Jesus as the king, but he was stumbled by Jesus' talk of suffering. Um, the centurion sees the crucified Jesus and recognizes that that is what constitutes his king- kingship. I mean, Jesus really does turn everything upside down. 
I mean, you know, it's a, a very different kind of king um, ruling over a very different kind of kingdom. I mean, like, instead of people giving their lives to fight for him, he gives his life to fight for them. That is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, like, and, you know, all the people who really ought to get it, I mean, all these chief priests and scribes, right, the leaders of the Jews who study the word and are waiting for the Messiah, they don't get it. These are the people who should know, and they don't they don't know. And then people like this Roman centurion who have no business understanding anything at all, somehow, standing in front of Jesus, seeing how he dies, it just it just hits him. Yeah. I mean, um, he has hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. I love that verse. Um, yeah, so it seems like, like what's happening seems like the greatest tragedy, but it's not. Yeah, and it, I mean, it really is tragedy that, you know, the righteous king, the rightful king, the one who really is doing everything right and doing everything good, he's not sinning. But he dies. But at the same time, he doesn't hold it against us. Yeah. It's like only through this tragedy can we begin to understand the good news. Yeah. Yeah, and even though it overturns everything we might understand about God, um, who he is and what he's like, um, even though we also might not get it, Jesus nevertheless goes through it for us. That's good news. Mm. So that's it from us. Um, Come back next week for one last episode on the Gospel of Mark. This is Joel He. And Enoch. Signing out.